0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The feed hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
0: gut a deer with a dull knife we all know how much that sucks so um take a look at the razer pro saw combo kit and uh, head on over to outdooredge.com and enter the discount code nation 30 that's nation 30 for 30 percent savings on your purchase
2: welcome to the land and legacy podcast we're your hosts adam keith and matt dye this is your number one resource for all things land if you're interested in conservation habitat management hunting strategy,
1: and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you.
2: All right, I'm sitting here. I'm at home tonight. Matt is once again on the road. Um, It's been a very busy couple of weeks for us. We've been uh, Iowa... You were in Kansas. Kansas, I'll be in Oklahoma and now you're in Ohio
1: Ohio and West Virginia yeah
2: no. okay so,
1: yep so it's gonna be I'm, t- <laughs> I'm trying
2: to remember are you week. a new client in West Virginia or retainer client
1: so so revisiting a couple clients from previous worked in Ohio um, and a revisit in West Virginia and then on to Ohio later in the week for a new client gotcha a little
2: mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, and I'm new client that I feel I feel bad for him. We've been <laughs> it's one of those where it's third times the charm this week. First time uh, COVID positive test on his on his end, and the second time was that brutally cold, lots of snow um, week that we had, so we had to cancel again. So, gonna make it happen this week.
1: Yeah, weather looks good out here and, and for you back home and then in Oklahoma. So we'll have a lot of boots on the ground covering a lot of acres, seeing a lot of cool stuff, which is always fun to be able to you know, post on social media and follow up with people saying, hey, you know, these, these are the guys that are out there taking recommendations and putting them into place, and um, here's what they're seeing. Here's what is happening on their property. Um, so if they're no different from anyone listening to this podcast right now. And, you yeah. know, just hopefully it's fuel for everyone getting out there and, and working hard, um, wanting to see improvement and be the best land steward they can.
2: Yep, for sure. Before we jump into this podcast, we will remind you guys that one of our partners that helped uh, make this podcast happen each and every week is Stratton Seed. You can check them out at GoStrattonSeed.com, or you can order online at shoplandlegacy.com For everything with with all the food plots that are going to be planted this spring. Uh, it's already time to start thinking about that with the ancestry blend, heritage blend, game changer 1.0s, game changer 2.0s, wild wings. Um, I think that I think I pretty well covered. Or bonafide, fide, or if you're uh, or if you're frost seeding right now with revival or emerge blend. Um, so a lot of stuff to order um, and good news, a lot of orders. Uh, in the past couple of years with Stratton, ever since they got in the food plot game, we've been a little bit later into the, into the winter and or in even the spring before we started shipping. But we're actually going to be um, shipping out Heritage, Soybean, Ancestry, pretty much all the spring blends uh, here in the next week or two. So if you have orders and you're wanting to make that happen and have the seed on hand, um, look it up at shoplandandlegacy.com. I'll have everything updated uh, hopefully this week. And maybe even by the time this podcast drops, you will hear uh, or you can jump over on that site and find uh, find the stuff that you would like to plant this, this year. I will remind you guys, um, you know, Some people ordered way back when, even in December. The way seed works, I've said this on a podcast I think last year, and I'll say it again, but, like, it doesn't just get harvested and immediately go in a bag and sit on the shelf. There's a lot of processing things that happen, and um, so, like, right now, bags are arriving with new print on them at Stratton headquarters, and they're starting to mix and source all of the seed and get it all mixed together and then bagged up so it is a process so if you ordered something in december it's getting ready to ship so it's not just that oh hey we forgot to send it it takes a little bit of time but if you guys are interested in that seed go check it out at shopland and legacy uh, and that's where you'll find the stratton seed
1: also on the shipping for 2021 it's shipping during 2021 so I think everyone can can expect potential uh, longer time frames. That's out of everyone's hands at Stratton and certainly Land of Legacy. It's total third
2: party stuff. So, and I will uh, say, so for you guys um, that don't know how it works, we we don't have the seed. You, we're a very small company, but it's not like Matt and I are out in our garage bagging this stuff up and sending it out. Stratton handles no. all of it, and. You order through us, and then they drop ship it from their warehouse. But it is a multi-step process, and when you do order from our site, there's two transactions that occur. There's the initial purchase transaction, and then there's the follow-up invoice for the shipping. Due to seed size, you're ordering 50-pound bags or 41-pound bags. There is... Um, of such a variance in shipping cost that we can't include that in the upfront purchase because I would ask you to compare pricing because soybeans, the Roundup Ready um, forage soybeans are much more affordable than a lot of the other ones on the market. So because of that, we have to do a second invoicing for shipping. And so it's not order your seed and wait for it to show up. You need to be expecting for a second email to come in with a with a quote for the shipping price. And if you don't like the price, it's too high, we can completely refund you. Um, but there, it is not just once and done. And so please be patient with us. We're trying to get you the best pricing we can. And so it takes a little bit. It might take a little bit longer than what you might expect from an Amazon purchase. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I Ain't swipe no it, quick buy, swipe it, see you in two days. No, it's not yeah. that. Um, and so, but we do appreciate all you guys. Man, there's been a pile of orders already came through the site. Um, I know my wife's loving it because she's handling a lot of them right now. And, uh, and I don't know if anybody really knows that, but if you order on the site, you typically get uh, contacted by her or talk to her. So... Um, we are very uh pretty skinny over here at this business It's pretty lean and mean you 're going to deal with either me, Matt, or somebody in our family most likely <laughs> that 's right so anyway um with all that being said uh spring food plots are coming up so um one other thing i've been meaning to say this uh i don 't know I know a lot of our listeners at n w t f uh national Wild turkey Federation followers. So if they got the magazine, they saw an article with me in it, um, a former scholarship. I forgot what they called the the whole article, but former scholarship winner kind of checking in, seeing. They, they misquoted me. And so in case anybody read that and said, that sounds strange, I do want to emphasize that they just misquoted me. Um, and uh, basically the quote was, that a lot of people, blah, 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 when it comes to land management, but we believe that leave the land as you found it, which is not what we say. We want to leave it better than we found it. So in case you read that and you thought, well, that's a weird philosophy, that's why. It's <laughs> yeah. yes, um, better. Yeah.
1: Better is, the, is, is what we're shooting
2: for. I mean, if I had the mindset of leave it like you found it, yikes, there'd be a lot of terrible landscapes out there. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: unfortunately, that's a pretty common uh, that's a pretty common <clears throat> philosophy for a lot of people. That's that's why we're in the shape we are, and we're I'm headed to uh, cross actually Ohio right now, Ohio River to be working on habitat because someone didn't leave it better than what it should have. been. Yeah,
2: I think what they misquoted was the fact that I was talking about preservation versus conservation, and uh, and I think that's where where the mishap happened, but. In case they heard it or read it and thought, "Huh, that doesn't match up with what he says on the podcast." That's why. Um, there was one other thing I was going to mention here, um, but I totally forgot what it was. But um, we're going to be jumping into another series over the next few weeks, probably month or longer. Um, that's very timely, and obviously, if this is not your thing, um, there are two podcasts a week, so there'll be plenty of other information over on uh the second podcast over over the same time frame but we're gonna we're gonna jump into wild turkeys
1: i mean i'm i'm extremely excited for talking about wild turkeys i i I absolutely love wild turkeys i think a lot of people may not know that gosh if if we had one one species to be able to hunt for the rest of our lives we'd both be choosing Uh, hunting
2: uh, you back back up back up Chad have you changed your mind Chad Chad, Chad called me the other day and he listened to another podcast in the last, in the last two years I, I've changed to say that I would choose the first week of November and, and it's for the one simple thing of um, once kids became into my life uh, it seemed like November has been more enjoyable than April for me um, from a standpoint of like uh, cause you can hunt the afternoons <laughs> cause I can hunt the afternoons. Yeah. Um, or the mornings I can pick. And, and frankly, it seems like turkey season has gotten where the ticks have been kind of bad and I don't have to worry about those in November and, and other bugs. So I'm like, you know, as much as I love turkey hunting, like for a long time in my life, I've said, that's my favorite season. That's what I would do if that was the only thing I could hunt. I have changed in the last two years to say that I would choose uh deer in first part of November, but that doesn't mean I don't I don't uh I don't Well, I, I'll say d- donuts might have had something to do with that too, Matt. Um, whenever a deer like that showed up it was like, Oh, wow, this I, I can kinda see the pursuit of a giant deer. That that that's a lot of fun. But uh turkeys is definitely uh, one of those things that um You know, I had a conversation with a client just yesterday uh, that the guy had just been getting into deer hunting the last few years and his kids weren't really into hunting a whole lot yet. And he was going to try to introduce them to hunting through turkey hunting. And I said, there's not really a better sport or a better hunting season out there than turkey hunting to introduce new hunters.
1: Yep. Yep. I think that there's so many different varied elements Styles to be able to turkey hunt. Um, the interaction, the coming out of winter and just that spring green up is a fantastic time to be able to be outside in God's creation. And I think I think for me it really does touch on all those different points of, of hunting and, and just being outside and loving nature. And uh, that's why it's just so high on my list. But at the same time, almost almost feel like turkeys have gotten like pushed a little bit to the wayside and, and almost thrown into this category of, Oh, I've got turkeys. I may always have them, but you know, quick, quick history of an organization like National Wild Turkey Federation, what they have done, the conservation group, you quickly realize that my gosh, the current state of turkeys wasn't always so. I mean, they were near extinction and just to see this story of the reintroduction to a lot of areas, uh, and, and seeing conservation dollars get put to work, seeing hard work um, occur, and seeing that rebound, it's yep. really awesome. And I think that that story, one one, it's timeless, but then two, um, it's a success story because of the management practices. Based on science and that science is continuing to evolve. And and that's honestly, Adam, where I think we come in as we look at we look at the science and try and break it down and and digest it into ways that we could share that with landowners and podcast listeners to make sure that everyone is doing their part to be, let's say, a part of that history of the turkeys and, and not see, let's just say this. Now potentially downward trend um, in turkey populations, but can, can see a whether a stable or a climbing population in your respective area. Um, you know that that's we we kind of put that on our shoulders and say we want to be able to bring that information. So that's the the reason behind doing a whole series on turkeys is let's digest all this new information as hunters that we have access to and landowners. And see what the heck we could do for turkeys, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done.
2: Absolutely, and you know this will be a podcast in the future, but uh, really talking about the practices that that we should be utilizing now versus what we've been told over the last 20 years from from the, the the hunting community on on what land management really looked like. But I think there's a lot of practices or a lot of terminology with turkeys that seems to be relatively new for landowners and turkey hunters in general such as brood rearing habitat and nesting habitat and um and old field and 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 various forms of habitat features that are that are highly productive for turkeys when you know frankly in the past i think a lot of people thought well hunt cattle farms hunt dairy farms plant chufa and uh, you might do a little bit of burning, and your turkey should be all right. And that's far from right. the truth. And and so we're going to cover everything that we can over the course of however long until we watch the downloads plummet and say, okay, people are tired of hearing <laughs> turkey talk. Um, but we're going to cover some the science side of it and things that, as a landowner, what we can be doing now and into the into the growing season into spring green up and throughout the rest of the year that can ensure that at least we're doing our part to help turkeys on the habitat side from various forms whether it be from from a nesting hen to a poult to a uh to to an adult tom Um, And then we're going to cover kind of strategies with that, how to utilize um, those habitat features specifically for turkeys and how that can also benefit our deer. And then uh, we're probably going to talk hunting strategy, and then that will lead right into hunting success. Uh, And I say that pretty, I guess. Yeah, and we're going to
1: have on, you know, several guests, and Kyle and Frank will be chiming in there their knowledge of wild turkeys is very, very extensive. Um, As you guys probably can go back and listen to other podcasts that they've been on, but um, the ones here in the future on this wild turkey series, you guys will hear them discuss in great detail diets, life cycles, life history traits of the wild turkey that um, are very imperative to knowing or or that the, the next steps into habitat management, why we need these features on the landscape. So, um there's so much interesting information about wild turkey um comparatively speaking to deer both are unique both are cool um but there's a lot of interesting let's say factoids that i think will blow some people's mind when they really get down to the nitty-gritty of man that's the turkey that i'm hearing out there gobbling 50 yards in front of me and strutting closing the distance um when when you really know the science behind what allows that turkey to be there in front of you? It's just fascinating.
2: Yes, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, we get that question a lot with clients. Is like, I want to be doing. It's not. It's not like the things we do for deer is drastically different than the things we would do for turkeys. But there are some little conformities that you could do that would make it to where. you really knew what you were looking for you could look at a property and be like okay this one's clearly set up for more of a turkey hunting turkey producing farm rather than being a deer hunting specific property um but they're not that far off so for the deer hunters who are like i'm not a turkey hunter don't turn it off just yet because i think on like i've said this before and i'll and i'll reiterate it with turkeys but you can have a very uh, a highly productive deer farm and not have a single quail and not do a single thing for quail, as well as turkeys for the most part. It's kind of turkey sets in between the quail and the deer, but you can't have a highly productive quail farm or landscape and not have deer doing really well. Deer are going sure. to do really well with... With a quail landscape, a, a landscape that's managed for quail, but you can't have you can have a property that's managed specifically for deer and not be doing anything that's beneficial for the quail. And so you sure. could say the same thing about turkeys. If you really focus on managing for turkeys and healthy turkeys, your deer are going to do really well. But you could manage if you manage just for deer. You're, there's things that you were doing that wouldn't affect the turkeys at all and, and honestly be a little bit negative uh, for them if you did some stuff that we've seen out there in the social media world. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. And, and I think that, again, just, just being well-rounded and well-versed with, with why you do some techniques or, or why you change up this interval of, of whether it's timber harvest or fire um, or herbicide means, you know, then, then you really take that fine tune and tweak it towards turkeys but that overlap for deer is so great that you know I don't I don't see or hear of a ton of deer hunters really complaining about having turkeys to chase during spring you know it's not generally one of those oh gosh I you know I just got so many turkeys you know usually it's like oh my gosh another opportunity to, to get outside or another opportunity to Uh, if you're a landowner, to be able to lease from a hunting operation, um, there's just so many additional benefits to having robust turkey numbers. Um, And I think that with such varied numbers across the landscape, there's some areas of the country right now that are having or experiencing boom um, in their turkey populations. Think of a lot of things like the Pacific Northwest, um, or there's there's areas in Canada um, that are having lots of turkeys and, and seeing that population increase. But then there's also places across the country, the Southeast, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, Kansas, Nebraska, where, where literally seasons uh, bag limits are decreasing because uh, turkey numbers are hurting. And mm-hmm. so we need to keep all of the, all of that in mind when we're talking about turkeys and turkey numbers. Um, but, but regardless, of where you fall on that spectrum, it's not going to hurt to hear how to manage turkeys. Because you may find yourself, unfortunately, maybe, um, on on the the decreased side at some point or another. um, But regardless, it's fun to be able to learn the details about turkey numbers and about turkey traits and what makes turkeys do what they do. You know, Uh they have just extremely cool behaviors um throughout many different portions of the year whether it's you know from from brooding young birds to strutting gobbling um their reproduction as well as flocking birds in the fall i mean it's i I get so much enjoyment just hearing birds on the roost in the fall talking and working through woodlot scratching like it's just it's fun it's cool
2: that's right uh, hopefully everyone
1: else will get some more information about them and just kind of adopt that same type of uh, i don't say admiration that that we may share for turkeys um but but they can experience that that same enjoyment
2: yeah for sure cuz i think you know if if we're describing an ideal farm for us depending on where it's at in in the world so let's just say here at at our home ground um what i would say is it's got a healthy population of white-tailed deer healthy population of wild turkeys it has a. It's working towards, or hopefully within five to ten years, a healthy population of bobwhite quail, and you know, and all the other non-game species um, are abundant as well. There's a lot of pollinators. There's a lot of birds, songbirds. Um, there's a lot of insects uh, that that just aren't classed in the pollinator world. There's a uh, healthy population of cottontail rabbits. I would love to see the riparian areas or creeks have lots of beavers. Um, therefore, because of the beavers being a keystone species, there's a lot of different, um, you know, waterfowl that migrate through, and then just a whole plethora of other birds or animals that we didn't even mention. Uh, that's in an ideal world. That's what you're building, and and if you have that, you know that. If as long as you're staying on top of your herd management, that the deer are thriving um and there should be some doggone big bucks around um and if I'm in the northern climate, I'm not only just managing for deer but I'm trying to manage for turkeys, and I'm trying to do my part to help the rough grouse as well um and And so I think that as deer hunters, we've really really missed the boat and struggle. To fall into the idea that there's these certain practices that we should do, but stepping back and looking at them from a from a big picture standpoint it's it's really not a drop in the bucket uh when it comes to improving the land, and I think that's where we've we've really got to get better about uh looking at land management from the standpoint of removing the product endorsements and sponsorships and going, okay, what is the point of this? Like, where am I, wh- what is my biggest bang for the buck? What is actually creating a landscape that's healthy that when I do leave or hand this down, I don't really have to sweat that the wildlife are going to flourish because I've done the work.
1: Yeah. That that has a, that has a ton of, of value added, whether it's just a, a lifetime of living on the land or, you know, with the land, but, it it's a, it is that responsibility that we have. And I think that responsibility, first and foremost, starts with getting quality information. And, and I think that I'm not trying to pat ourselves in the back, but when we, when we focus on sources of research and the most up-to-date research that we can get our hands on and then mm-hmm. disseminate that out, That's the best that we know. And that's and that's that's like the latest, greatest, most important information from someone who it calls himself a conservationist who wants to be a land manager, has to grasp and hold on to for dear life because the money that goes in to that research, you know, hopefully that output is valuable real practical experiences and recommendations that then we put on the landscape we take that information change it transform property to improve what we found in research to to not be productive um and so that's where our heart is that's where this information you guys are going to hear in the next couple of weeks is is derived from it's from research it's from scientists And um, sure, there's going to be obviously our own personal observations, um, but the base and the facts and the numbers all come from that and stem from that. And, you know, hopefully take take, let's say, some refuge in the fact that this is this is as good as information can be. um, That's going to get me the results on my land that I'm looking for, not. It was a $20 tool that I thought would change the how well turkeys reproduce or I'm going to make turkey nest sites because I can make buck beds kind of thing. It's, it's not like that that sort of information. It's very, very um, scientific-based. And again, yeah. we're not trying to be nerds, but we want to make it as just impactful as, as possible because there's, there's really not much more frustrating than going out Adam, I don't know how many tanks of fuel that were cut this week uh when it came to chainsaws, but but imagine if if all the sweat equity and hard work we had that we did, what if that was put into a practice that that was not the right practice for uh. a piece of property, that acre of property or those, let's say, acres that we impacted. Like, what if we were doing something that was just spinning our wheels? That would be so <coughs> frustrating to do that. And that's, again, why we just rely heavily on, on that quality information to make sure that what we do, the time we spend is, is um,
2: impactful. For sure. For sure. Um, we've used that analogy before that, you know, we, we were talking about predators, but there's a lot of practices out there that could – it could fill the gap of the predators uh in that analogy is like how many times you go out and take a tree an invasive tree and just cut it down knowing that it's going to require herbicide to kill it but you're just like ah i'll just cut it down how many times you do that probably not very often and there's a lot of practices out there especially in (laughs) well i i almost said especially with turkeys but everything uh deer probably more than anything because that's where most people are are focused at first and foremost, which is fine. But um, they're they're choosing practices that are just spinning wheels, wasting money, wasting time. And five years from now, you're going to look back and say, "That's a that's a lot of time wasted."
1: Yeah, I mean, and the in the last thing we would want to we would want to have you experience as a listener is to be doing and implementing these practices, maybe not to the degree that. Um, that they need to be done and then and then still experiencing let's say a decrease in the population my yeah. gosh that would that would be tough uh, and and yes these these birdy populations um that we're talking about it's they're not they're not a um a property specific animal they're a landscape animal so it doesn't fall rest solely on your shoulders but at the same time when you have good clear information that means that then you can communicate that to the people who are around you, let's say your neighbors, and then create that neighborhood effect of just solid habitat. That's and right. so, um, you know, again, it, it all, it all has to start with good solid information. So that's what we're going to pack this series with. And I'm excited to talk about it and, uh, bring on some people who, um, have more experience with it than, than us, but, um, just have these awesome conversations about the, amazing wild
2: turkey oh what i was gonna say um that i forgot about at the beginning was be sure to go to our youtube channel we've been delayed at getting some videos out there on it over the last few weeks for the simple fact that we've been traveling so much <laughs> um i i, I it, it's it's very difficult with our travel schedules to go to our farms which are an hour or some uh, away shoot videos and then have the time to send them in, send them to our producer, get them all produced, then post them in the meantime while writing reports and doing plans and traveling. So we apologize for that, but we do have two turkey hunts coming to you guys this month because it is March when these podcasts drop. That one of the well, they're both good hunts, but one of them is just unbelievable. And, uh,. Um, so that's going to be over on our YouTube channel. Just search Land and Legacy. Subscribe. Be sure to hit the the little bell sign to. Uh, you know, Matt. I think every time I say that, I think of that podcast you and I listen to. Is like, be sure to click that little bell. You know what I'm talking about?
1: No, I'm unashamed
2: a on podcast. When he says, go oh, go yeah. when you're on YouTube. Be sure to uh, hit subscribe and click that little bell so you can be notified yeah. every time we post. So yeah, click that little bell so you can uh, be notified every time we post a new video. There's going to be several this spring, and uh, we're we're hopeful that you guys will follow along. But uh, and just remember that yeah, we might call a lot, but we kill a lot of birds. <laughs> I had to say that. I had to say that. Yeah, oh, yeah. That uh, that's been a common comment on some of our videos. We call too much. Well, we're killing turkeys. I just
1: like to hear them gobble back.
2: Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't think you wanted to see ten minutes of stale air. I thought you wanted to yeah. hear turkeys gobbling. So that's right. That's yeah, right. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, I I hope people are gonna gonna listen to this series. We're gonna have some turkey biologists on, some research re- research head people, and and uh, then we're gonna put that through layman's terms and how you can utilize it on your farm. So yep. Anyway, sure. I look forward to it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, Matt. Be safe in your travels. Guys, thanks again yep. for listening. Um we haven't uh I haven't plugged any kind of uh any any uh requests for uh reviews over on iTunes. So guys please search Land and Legacy on iTunes, leave us a five star review. That would be great, help support us. Um and man, um continued support from you guys has been phenomenal and we can't thank you enough. So we'll see you here next week.
1: See you guys. Yes.